All right, well, we're in a new series that I am so excited about called Unconditional. We're talking about experiencing the unconditional love of God. Today, I want to talk to you on the title, Unconditionally Chosen. Say chosen. chosen. We're talking about unconditionally chosen, and I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you've felt chosen before. I think most of us have. Let me tell you about my first one. It happened in preschool. I went to a school called Double Creek Farms. It was actually on a farm. It was a converted barn into a school room. I did grow up uh, in the 70s, back when you had one-room school rooms. And, um, but we, uh, we, we'd have what's called show and tell. Anyone remember show and tell? Yeah. And so I got chosen for show and tell. I felt so important. Now, every kid would get chosen for show and tell. But it was my turn, and so I went home and asked my mom what I should bring, and we came up with this idea that I should bring a live pet. And so what I brought was her beautiful white dove called Sunshine. So I showed up with a, a cage with a dove, and, you know, all the students, whenever you bring a live animal, everyone just you know, oohs and ahs, but then it was my moment to talk about sunshine. Sunshine was so tame and so gentle that if you stuck your finger out, sunshine would hop on your finger. So it was that climactic moment where I put my finger in, I brought sunshine out. I thought it wouldn't be a problem because the dove had its, its wing feathers clipped so it couldn't fly, or so we thought. The kids go crazy when I bring out sunshine. Sunshine gets freaked out and takes off. Now, the problem with this large metal barn is it had numerous classrooms, but the walls only went about eight feet tall, and the whole barn was open on top. And so Sunshine started doing laps around the barn. It stopped every class. And at that moment, I felt so chosen. I had shut down the preschool. The principal had to come and get a long pole. My mom had to show back up at school. That was my day. I don't know if you've ever felt chosen before. Uh, maybe it was you got chosen to be the line leader in grade school. Maybe you got chosen in, in Heads Up, Seven Up. Remember when you put your, your, your head down and they touched your finger and your heart just started pounding? Maybe you got chosen in Duck, Duck, Goose. Um, I don't know what it was, or, or maybe you've been, been chosen some other time for a, a, a lead in a play, or to get to be this, this person on this team, or to do this presentation, but it feels amazing to be chosen, and conversely, it's very painful to not feel chosen. And so that's why I want to talk to you today on the topic of unconditionally chosen because you need to know that you are unconditionally chosen by Father God. And we're going to start by looking at the first person we really see chosen by God in Scripture. It's, it's Genesis chapter 12, this man named Abram, or you're, you know him as Abraham or Father Abraham. And so we're going to dive into that Scripture today. It says this, in verse one, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. 
And whomever dishonors you will I curse, and in you all the families of the earth. Or in the NIV, it says, all peoples of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the, the overall overarching narrative of Scripture, that God chose a man, and then he chose a family, this man's descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, and then they become a chosen people known as the Israelites, the Israelite people. And then later on, what you'll see in the New Testament is that God grafts all those in who choose to believe in him, who choose to have faith. We are grafted in to that chosen people. The, the problem is when you start reading a scripture about someone chosen, you start thinking, well, they must have done something. They must have been really awesome. Man, he, he was just the, the best guy ever. That's why he's chosen. And though Abraham is the father of faith, what you have to understand as we dive into a story is that he wasn't perfect. And so I, I want to look at more of this story, but first of all, we're going to go through several points today. The first point is this. God unconditionally chooses people. God unconditionally chooses people. And I want to prove that to you by looking at this first verse in, in Joshua chapter 24. So this is numerous books later where Joshua, one of the chosen people, is looking back and telling the story about Abraham. Listen to what he says. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him throughout the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. So oftentimes when you think, well, God chooses people that, that, that chose him and that made him first and he was that priority. But what does this say about Abraham. God chose Abraham unconditionally. He was actually, his whole family was serving other gods when God chose him, right? This is so akin to the New Testament verse, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because in, in these last several years, George Barna, probably the most famous researcher or statistician, in America found polling not just America, but Christians, that over 50% of Christians today believe in a works-oriented salvation. What does that mean? They believe it's what you do. If you do enough good deeds, that gets you saved or that gets you to heaven. Is that the truth, church? No, but over 50% of people sitting in church today Believe that, and, and, and perhaps you're new to church and you're thinking that today. Today, I'm going to show you through scripture how that is not the truth, that you are actually unconditionally chosen. Let's look on at this because I wanna show you that not only was Abraham not following God when he was first chosen, that although there's some great things, I, 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 if you remember, I did a whole series on Abraham and there's numerous ways he does obey. But he's not chosen because he obeys perfectly. In fact, I want to show you how he started out. So he gets called to go to Canaan. He does this amazing thing. He's like, okay, God, I'll go out on this journey. So he leaves Ur of the Chaldeans, where he had a rich and wealthy family. He goes to this land called Canaan, where he doesn't know anything or know anyone. You're like, wow, you're doing great, but watch what happens next. It says this in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. 
Okay, so this is a test. This is a challenge. He's not gonna have food. What's he gonna do? So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Did God call Abram to Egypt? No, he called him to Canaan, to the promised land. But the second there's a test, what does Abram do? He leaves, he goes to Egypt. And now watch what happens next. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say that you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Thank you, brave Abraham. Right? So what does he say? He's already, so he's not obeying God anymore. He's taken off to the wrong place. And then he's like, and this so happens to us when we start sinning, right? Is then we're like, oh, now I've got to figure out some scheme. And he's like, hey, hot wife, I'm going to get killed because of you. So let's lie and say that you're my sister. And guess what? It doesn't just happen once. He does it twice. You'd think he'd learn his lesson, but he does it twice. So my question is, is Abraham perfect? No, that's not why he was chosen. He wasn't chosen because he was following God perfectly. He was serving other gods in the beginning. He's not chosen because he's obeying perfectly. He's unconditionally chosen. Um, now, I, I love unpacking this because to, to Abraham, this imperfect man, God's gonna make an unconditional promise. It's called a, a covenant. Okay, James Boswell, you weren't expecting this, but can you come up here right now? You're Abraham today. Can you? Can you come up and be my sermon illustration? You're, he's a great man of faith. Come on up. I'm, I'm not going to make you do anything. I know, you don't want to get too close to me. You never know what's going to happen. All right, come on over here. So this is Abraham. Now just, just stand here and listen to this. So it says this, this is God speaking. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans. To you, I give this land to possess. But he said, oh Lord, put your hands on hell. Yeah, it's so good. Who am I to know, who am I that I should possess it? And he said to him, bring me, this is God speaking, bring me a heifer three years old. Okay, hey, Asher, can you bring some friends up here? Um, yeah, whole row, right? You, you guys too. Jen, come on up. Uh, Daniel Laban. Can y'all come get, get up here? Yep. Okay, Daniel Laban. Can y'all stand over here? First, heifer, okay? Yes, right here. Thank you. Okay, and then can you like grab his shoulders? Tell her. Okay, no. He said, bring me a heifer. Okay. And then, and then he says, uh, bring me a young goat and then bring me a ram. There we go. Can you grab his shoulders? Can you, a eh. little, little louder. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. And then he says, bring me a dove and a young pigeon. Dove? No, no, she's the dove. She's very graceful. <laughs> young pigeon. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So watch what it says next. And he brought him all these, cut them in half. Take your arm. Oh, Okay. And then cut them in half. Okay. And then it says, don't cut the dove and pitch it in half. Okay. Okay. So let's, so then he separates them. And can y'all kind of like fall down on the ground? Um, okay. Yeah. That's perfect. 
That is awesome. And then dove on one side, pigeon on the other side. I need some room, please. Uh, dove. Okay. So can you stand back here? Stand, yeah, stand back here. All right, very good. Okay, now watch this. The, now we're in verse 12. As the sun was going down, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. A deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Now, this is going to happen exactly as God said. It's historically proven in the Bible, in history books. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamites, Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Now, come up here, Abraham. So let's just say... You don't have to be that dramatic, bro. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> you're just getting a little too into this. <clears throat> What's a covenant? So God said, I'm going to make a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two people. And so covenants were made throughout the Old Testament. And if two people were making a covenant, they would come together. And so Sarah, here's Abraham. Here's Robert, my, my biblical name, Roboam. And we'd come together and would shake hands. But a covenant literally means to cut. That's what a covenant means. And so they'd take these animals and cut them in half. Then what they would do is two men or, or two parties would come together and they would walk through together these cut pieces saying, we have cut a covenant, we have shed blood, and they'd walk through together saying, now this covenant stands. I covenant to keep my part, you covenant to keep yours and if we break it, may we be like these animals that have been cut in half and killed. But you need to see what God does. He takes Abraham, and do both of them walk through? No, instead it says he fell into a deep and dreadful sleep. Sleep. Okay, and then what happens? Can I get my torch, please? A flaming fire pot... Okay, it says this. It says, Abraham's asleep, but then what do we see? Okay, how does God lead the children by night in the desert? By a pillar of? How does God reveal himself to Moses? As a burning, right, a fire. How does God fall on the disciples at Pentecost? Tongues of? The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. So what happens? Abraham falls asleep. So he's not going to walk through the two pieces of the cut animals of this covenant. Instead, God puts him to sleep, and what do we see? We see a flaming fire pot and a torch. God walks through with himself, while Abraham does nothing. He is resting. He is resting in the work of God. 
And God makes a covenant saying, it's not dependent on you keeping your side, Abraham. I am making this dependent on me and me alone. It's an unconditional covenant. Are you following me? Amen. Let's give these guys a hand. Great job, guys. I was hoping none of you actually fell asleep. Do you remember another unconditional covenant that happens in the New Testament? Covenant means to cut. Why was Jesus' back lashed? Why was it cut open? The Bible says there can't be a covenant without the shedding of blood. Why did Jesus' hands and feet get pierced and his blood pour down? It was an unconditional covenant he was making between himself and you. Because you still could think, well, Abraham was so special. He's the only person chosen and only his family. But I want you to see something now as we turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Because point two is God chose us. Who did God choose? God chose us. Look at what Ephesians 1 says. It says, for he chose, he chose in him before, listen to this, this is amazing, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God chose you. Through Jesus Christ, he is the one who makes you holy. It's not you yourself. And when did he do that? He didn't just do that. You know, one day you turn 25 and you realize my life stinks or you turn 45 or you turn 65 and you're like, this isn't working for me, so I'm gonna call out to God. And that day I got chosen. No. The Bible says before the creation of the world. I don't know if you're a young earth person, a 6,000-year-old earth person. (laughs) There's plenty of those in this church. Then over 6,000 years ago, you were chosen. I don't know if you're an old earth person, 100 million years or whatever. Can I just tell you, way before God created Mount Everest, Niagara Falls, the Pacific Ocean. He was already choosing you. Your name was written before earth came into existence. That's how important you are to God. Do you believe the Bible? That's what the Bible says. He chose us before the creation of the world. He adopted you through sonship. Why is this so important? Because so many of us live our lives feeling like we're not chosen. Have you ever felt the pain of not being chosen? I told you about being chosen in school, but let me tell you one of my most painful memories from high school. This is my senior year. It's the day of our senior picture. I have a class of about 550 people. And so they say, we're gonna do the big senior picture so everyone dressed nice. So I pulled out a button down shirt and I showed up at school and we're gonna be on the risers, the bleachers. And then I see my best friend from childhood and he has just a plain white t-shirt on. And I thought, that's really interesting that you're gonna wear a plain white t-shirt on the day they told us to dress up. Then I see my my closest friends from junior high and they have plain white t-shirts on. And I'm like, that is so 
weird that they're wearing white t-shirts. Then I see my closest friends from my freshman year, and they have white t-shirts on. And finally, we're walking out to get our picture taken, and 30 guys, many of who had been some of my closest friends, all get in a group, and they said, yeah, we're the brothers. We're going out to take this picture together, and I have never felt so left out in my life. And I'll never forget them being in the center of the picture and me being on the outside going, why didn't anyone call me? Why was I left out? Why my, my best friends from Sankey's people going, aw, right now. <laughs> it hurts to not feel chosen. And some of you felt unchosen by your parents. You felt unchosen in class. You felt unchosen in the lunchroom. You felt unchosen at work, but can I tell you that your Father in heaven has chosen you, and when you get this revelation, not just in your mind, but it seeps into your heart, it changes your mentality, it changes you emotionally, it changes how you live your life physically. I wanna just walk through what your life looks like when you know that you are chosen. When you are chosen, you might wanna take a picture of this and just reflect on this, over and over again. When you're chosen, you know your true identity. When you're chosen, you feel wanted. Number three, when you're chosen, you live from a place of confidence and security instead of insecurity. We need to teach our kids this, especially in junior high. Number four, when you're chosen, you don't spend your time looking for the validation of others. When you're chosen, you're not decimated when others insult you. When you're chosen, you have a sense of belonging. Number seven, when you've chosen, you know who you, you know you are in the center of God's plan, not the periphery. Number eight, when you're chosen, you don't feel the need to compromise your values to fit in. Number nine, when you're chosen, you are at peace when you're alone because you know you're actually never alone. Number 10, when you're chosen, you live from a place of rest. God was so good to me yesterday. I, uh, I was on this long walk, just spending time praying, and I was reflecting on these truths, and I started to chuckle. Like, I, 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 I laughed out loud, like, on this hike, and I was like, oh, I hope no one sees me. Um, I started laughing, and then I was like, I want to let out a shout. I'm like, people are going to think I'm crazy. I looked around, I went, woohoo! Like that. And then I went, woohoo! Hallelujah! I started yelling, and then I thought, people are going to think I'm crazy. And then I thought, it's 2023. Everyone's crazy. Why not be crazy for Jesus? And then I started praising God because I was overwhelmed with joy. And I came home, and I was like, Steph, I got overwhelmed with joy. When is the last time you were overwhelmed with joy by the Lord? I, and then, you know what I started doing? I started praying for all of you, saying, Lord, let them have just at least one moment in their life, I think God wants to give you more, where you actually overcome with joy. I mean, what if someone asks you, what's wrong with you? And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm overcome with joy right now. <laughs> I have this problem, it just overtakes me, like joy, joy and peace and just security. It just overtakes me. Can I just tell you that God wants to do that in all of our lives? Uh, who, who of you that's a parent wouldn't want your child overwhelmed with security, peace, and joy? How much more does our loving, heavenly Father want that for you? Amen? Let's go to our next point. Next point, point number three. He chose you because he loved you. 
You see, we're, we're so used to, well, that got, guy got chosen for the raise because he worked the hardest. Well, that girl got chosen for homecoming queen because she's the prettiest and she's the most popular. Well, that guy got chosen for the starting position on that team because he's actually the best athlete. Well, that person it got chosen in that friendship group because they're so cool. We're so used to, you get chosen because you do something. And in the Bible, you get chosen unconditionally because he loves you. Now watch this. Watch what God says about his chosen people, the Israelites. It was not, this is Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out by his mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. What is God saying? He's saying, I chose you because I loved you. So many, you're still in here going, yeah, but I, I've got to be perfect and I've got to stand out. And I've got to do more. And God's saying, no, I chose you because I loved you. And because I loved you, I chose you. Can you just let that seep into your mind right now? Because we live in this merit-based society and all day long, right? You're wondering, am I loved? Am I cared for? And the Bible is saying this, you're chosen because you're loved. He loved you before the creation of the world. Like before you ever did any, before you even smiled at your parents, before you had your perfect attendance in preschool, before you made your first hand turkey for Thanksgiving, you hadn't done anything and he was choosing you and loving you. And point number four, God chose us first. We didn't choose him first. Because some of you are like, well, he chose me because I said yes to him. No, I, I want you to see actually in, in 2 Thessalonians, the only reason you said yes to him is because he chose you. Are you following me? Listen to what 2 Thessalonians says. But we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of Jesus Christ. The only, the Bible actually says that a person can't come to the Lord unless he draws him, right? So even when we're like, well, I'm the one who said yes to the Lord. And he's like, well, actually, I'm the one who put that in your heart. We can't even be prideful about saying yes to Jesus because God was drawing us. He's like, come on, come on, come on. And we're like, yes, but he was the one pulling you the whole time. Listen to what Jesus says. You did not choose me. This is what Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And then look at what happens next. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, that he might give it to you. We can't even be prideful about the things we do for Jesus because the only reason we're doing them is because he chose us and then appointed us to bear that fruit. And then he says, and you can't do anything unless you abide in me anyway. So it's Jesus working through us. The, the Bible says we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's already ordained for us to do in advance. Even the good works you do, he's like, actually, I planned for you to do that. Are you following me? So stop thinking you're earning your way to God. Stop thinking you're earning his love. He chose you before you were created. Then he appointed you to do the good things.
things you do anyway, and then he empowers you to do them. It's all him. Oh, what a love. Can we just give God a hand? I mean, can we just say what a good, loving, gracious, unconditional father. He's so good. So let's just finish by talking about a practice that we can remind ourselves that we're unconditionally chosen. The world's constantly trying to make you not feel chosen. So you're constantly, I mean, the world's constantly putting the most glamorous people on TV and making us go like, but I'm not, I'm not them. Or how about this? You know, we, we're so drawn to the, the royals of different countries, the British royals that are always in the tabloids. And what does that make you feel like? You're like, man, I'm just, I'm a no one. No, but what, what does the Bible say? It says actually you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen child of a king. If they don't commit their life to Jesus, their royalty ends after 80 years. Do you know that you were royal before you were born? And that you'll be royal for eons after this world is not even existing like it's existing now. After you're gone, you will be royal. You are royal. So when you see the royals on the tabloids, just talk to yourself and say, I'm royal. I'm chosen. You know, when, when, you see, when you see something old, right? So in the United States, people are like, this house is 100 years old. Let's put a historical marker on it, right? Hannah's laughing because she's from England where they're like, this house is 700 years old, right? And if someone's from the Middle East and they're laughing, saying, our houses are thousands of years old, right? And when you see something old, go, wow, that's amazing. But thousands of years before that, God chose me, right? When you see something royal, when you see something old, when you see something beautiful, remember 2 Peter, that he actually says, you are a special possession of the Lord. I, I want you to get the 2 Peter Verse, I have it in the ESV. I've memorized it in the NIV. Listen to this. But you are a chosen race. This is who you are. Anytime you don't feel chosen, anytime someone else gets chosen, you remind yourself and pray out, I am a chosen people. I am a royal priesthood. Anytime you feel less than, no, remind yourself, I am royal. Look at this. I'm a holy nation. Anytime you just feel dirty and the enemy starts condemning you, you say, no, by what Jesus did, he sees me as holy. And I love the, the, the next one even more in the NIV. It says a people for his own possession. In the NIV, it says God's special possession. You might not have gotten the sticker in preschool, but God's got a heavenly sign pointing at you all day long saying, this one is special. This one is my special possession. You belong to him. Let's stand up.